0: Alright, I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 1. This, in many ways, is the sort of theme section for the whole of the series. I've read from it before, uh, but I want to focus on it again, and then I'm going to take us to a number of different places in the book of Proverbs so that we can look at some of the themes, because it is the theme's of Proverbs that really unite this entire book together. There are more themes than what I will speak on tonight. Proverbs is not a short book, and it's not a quick read unless you're the kind of person that likes to sit and open the dictionary and just sort of work your way A to Z. Maybe there are some of you who like to do that. Um, go for it. The Proverbs, though, is not as dis unified as others perhaps have thought and taught and preached in the past. And we will look at that blessed union. Of course, the first nine chapters are really one great easy, when I say easy, easy to divide section. It gets a little bit more difficult towards the, well, chapter 10 through 31. Uh, But we're going to look at the themes tonight because my desire is that you might want wisdom. Uh, Hence the, the, the title of the series. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Here as I read from God's word. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get wisdom. Wisdom. As far the reading of God's Word, let me pray now for the blessing of the preaching of it. Lord, there are many things in your Word. Lord, many things that are at times lofty and high. Things mysterious, things that lay beyond our understanding. And we are at times far too impatient to sit at the feet of the teacher. And we ask even now that for a time that we might sit like Mary at the feet of the Word made flesh, that by your Spirit, you would impart to us tonight the very thing you have called us to get, wisdom. That it may abound in us that we might not only be finer and truer and more faithful worshipers and followers of Christ, but that we might be of great benefit to our neighbor as we endeavor to bless the world In the keeping of your holy law, we ask these things in your name. Amen. I can remember when I was 18 years old, trying to decide where to go to college. There were some options that were open to me, not because I was a good student, um, but because I didn't have a lot of aspiration, so to speak. I applied to three colleges. I got into all of them. and got scholarships to none of them. But the school that I chose was the nearest to home, and it was, in many ways, uh, a bad choice. Now, the reason I chose it was because five of my friends from high school were going there. And I thought, if they can become mechanical engineers, surely I, even I, can become a mechanical engineer. Uh, this having taken pre-calculus and done, you know, fairly well, having no idea what was in store for me at the North Avenue Trade School, it's often called Georgia Tech, When I arrived on the scene, they were still in the quarter system, which means every nine weeks you have a new course, which is like drinking from a fire hydrant. And I was not ready, nor did I have the thirst for the things they were teaching. And so I showed up in Calculus One, and I subsequently, narrowly failed. I didn't fail with an F, I failed with a D. I wasn't proud of that. So I did it all over again. And the next time, I subsequently narrowly passed with a C. And that C stood out to me as a blinking light. You have made a profound mistake. But guess what? No other college will have you now. You're stuck. (laughs) In fact, in my first year, the average GPA was a 1.6. Kids, that's out of a four. And I knew people that were part of the esteemed square root club, where the square root of your GPA is higher than, in fact, your GPA. Now, if you know anything about square roots, what that means is your GPA has to be lower than one. They were really stuck. Now, if someone had come to me prior to choosing that university and said, I think you need to wait. What do you think I would have said? (laughs) I got this. I got this. You don't know. How can you say such a thing? I can do it. And I look back and I say oftentimes, man, I wish someone would have just said that to me. But then I think, I probably wouldn't have listened. As Solomon is writing the book of Proverbs, he is writing to a group of young men and he is saying to them, listen, if there is anything that you ought to seek after in life, it is not the other things that I could have asked for when God came to me in the dream and said, ask for anything and I will give it to you. Solomon wisely chooses wisdom. Why? He says so in Proverbs 4. When I was my father's son, when I was but tender and the only child around, David said to me, keep my commandments and live. Listen. And then three times he says, well, get wisdom, get understanding. Get wisdom and get understanding. Really, I guess he says it four times. Wisdom is glorious in its getting. It is a great and noble gift because it is valuable, because wisdom says something. And even as we look at wisdom, we need to see something in relationship to the way in which it actually works. In fact, those are my headings this evening. Wisdom is valuable. Wisdom speaks. But wisdom is also work. Now I say this, some of you who are young, some of you who are old, some of you who are in between, if there is ever an exhortation to give to those who are here in church, if I have your ear and may bend it for a little while, it is to get wisdom. So let's look at themes related to wisdom first under the heading of the value of wisdom. First is the preciousness of wisdom. We see this theme recurring in the book of Proverbs. In fact, it's in the book of Job where it is relayed to us that of all the things that men can get as resources from the earth, whether we are mining jewels or precious metals or we are harvesting crops or we are doing animal husbandry, of all the resources the earth has to offer, though wisdom is readily present... It is actually something that comes from above. It does not spring up from the ground. You cannot mine wisdom. Well, there is one source that you can mine. And it is the word of God that comes from above. It is the language. It is the speech. It is the perfect revelation of God. And for this reason, we say wisdom is precious because of who it comes from. But not only who it comes from, but as we know, all wisdom is inherently practical. Therefore, it is valuable because of its effect. It comes from the Lord, and it brings about his purposes. And so anyone who has it is blessed, is wealthy. Now, this is a difficult way to measure wealth, because oftentimes wisdom is invisible because the people who are truly wise do not wear suits or shirts that say I've got wisdom. In fact, the people who I've met who are most wise are also the most unassuming kinds of folks. They're often old. (laughs) And boy, do we live in a culture now that often despises age. Would you just get to the point and tell me what I need is the Immature perspective. Wisdom is precious. Not only is wisdom precious, but one of the themes that we find in Proverbs as it relates to its value is what wisdom grows up into. In Proverbs 3, we read, Her ways are ways of pleasantness, speaking of wisdom, the personification of it. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. She is a mighty tree. And she provides for those strength, refuge, shade. She reflects the life that comes from the one the tree is planted into. It is a tree that brings fruit. And that is what God says will happen to those whose lives are planted in His Word. They will become mighty trees who bear green leaves even in old age. And so it grows into this mighty bulwark of strength and beauty. Not only is wisdom a mighty tree, wisdom is inherently practical. One of my favorite shows used to be a show called Junkyard Wars. I don't think it's on anymore. Junkyard Wars was a a kind of reality game show in which two or three teams were pitted against one another and they were given something they had to design by junk in a junkyard. And the guys that were best at junkyard wars were not the guys that were making A's in calculus Why I was making C's and D's in calculus, you know, those type. In fact, if there ever was a ceiling fan that needed to be installed with my roommates, guess who installed it, right? The commoner who was a political science major. (laughs) I knew how to do it. You know how I did it because I've touched electrical wiring enough to know which two parts you shouldn't touch. (laughs) They would look at it and go, hold on, let me get my book. And I just go, okay, we got to do this. (laughs) So we watched this show called Junkyard Wars and the guys that would always do best were the guys that were just sort of not fools, not idiots, but just guys that have done it. The mechanics, the guys that spent every day repairing diesel engines, that knew how to draw a, a run a straight bead, all of these guys who had done it. In fact, one of the recurring themes of the show was, which blue-collar team is going to wipe the floor with the guys with the college degrees? Wisdom is not necessarily gotten by classroom education. It is gotten... It is laid hold of by living, by doing. And for this reason, it is humble. It is not attention-seeking but rather it is merely the application of good order, God's order to everything in life. I remember reading a number of a years ago a book on farming by a writer named Wendell Berry, and Wendell Berry was talking about how we as farmers look at the world around us and we don't seek to impose outside order that is unnatural to the world that God has made. The example that he gives is when he tried to put a pond on the side of a hill. Whoa. And so they brought in dirt, and they made this beautiful berm. They filled it, and they pumped it with water from the creek. And then in the first big rain, that entire pond slid down the hill. And he said, if I had just stood and looked and asked, where should a pond go? The easy answer would have been, not there. And So oftentimes, wisdom takes a situation of failure and learns from it humbly. And this is one of the themes also we find in the Proverbs. It is inherently practical because it is, by nature, humble. Now let's move to the second heading in terms of wisdom speaking. There are also themes in the book of Proverbs uh, that regard our mouths and our ears. The first thing that we can say about Wisdom is that wisdom does not look to honor oneself. In Proverbs 26, 12, it is made very clear that those who seek to exalt themselves are no partakers or practitioners of wisdom. That wisdom, according to Proverbs 21, 30, seeks to honor the Lord explicitly, exalting the counsel of Almighty God as glorious and good. For those who are wise do not seek to find it in themselves. They know where it comes from. In Proverbs 28, 25, and 26, we read, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. What do you think Solomon would think of every Disney movie ever made? Well, not ever made, but certainly in the last 20 or 30 years. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. This is a difficult principle to learn as a young person. Because oftentimes it's the thing we know best. It's the thing we trust most because we know it best. An even less complimentary picture we find in Proverbs 26, 11 and 12. As a dog returns to its own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. It's pretty gross. (laughs) How many times has God seen us return to our own moral vomit? Instead, wisdom is teachable. It is humble before Almighty God. In Luke chapter 18, verse 15 through 17 Christ is talking, he's teaching. And then there are people who bring infants to him, that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked the people who were bringing their children. And Jesus called to the, to the disciples and said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, Christ is not saying immature childishness. He is speaking of a state of beggarliness, of humility, of neediness and dependence. That the mightiest of men who have ever lived in the presence of Almighty God know their place. They know their stature. And they are of a great bulwark, a moral bulwark, to their friends, to their churches, to their places of business, whomever they are around. Because in the face of God, they look to him and they say, I need what you have to give me. Paul would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so wisdom expresses itself as being teachable. Proverbs 9, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. A wise man says, show me how to do it. Help me learn. In that regard, wisdom asks a lot of questions. Parents, I will say this. Because I've lived this, there are times where your children come to you and they ask so many questions that you begin to think, would you just stop asking questions? And do you know what? Why? Why would you want them to stop if they are expressing, dad, you are my teacher, show me how to do it. And then you look at them and say, no. Where will they then turn? to someone who will answer their questions about where they come from and what they are for and who they should marry and what kind of job they should seek out, where they should go to, all of these decisions that are big life decisions and the humility to ask help in those things spring forth and flow naturally from, where does a butterfly come from? And you listen and go, what are these questions? And some of them are really quite wonderful. But some of them are so mundane you have to remind yourself this is God's design. And wisdom does not only <clears throat> listen well. As my mom said to me, and I'm never remember sure if it took, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've heeded that counsel yet or often. Wisdom not only listens well, but it does speak well. When it's time to open your mouth, one of the themes that we find concerning wisdom, we find in Proverbs 10, verse 18 and following, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is as choice silver, the heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. I have known men in my life simply by the lives that they lead. When they talk, I listen. Wisdom says something that is of worth, of value of healthy, good, and precious counsel. (coughs) Proverbs 29, a fool uttereth all his mind. There's a principle for social media. (coughs) But a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. (coughs) It's not always good to have the first word. And even if the first word is a wise word, a wise man waits until that moment. Wisdom is also not gullible. If a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked. We're seeing that lived out before our very eyes, aren't we? In homes, in the church, in our civil fathers. If we listen to lies, the effect is that those who are under a ruler will also be deceived by those lies. Not only as it relates to speaking, humility, teachability, but with the mouth, wisdom brings peace. Wisdom brings peace. It is peaceable. Bless or by the bless, uh, Proverbs eleven. Sorry, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs eleven thirty. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. We know this saying well. Go seeking trouble. Trouble will find you. Many of these are just sort of the idioms that I heard in my youth. By the salty dogs my dad knew, his buddies from back in high school. Proverbs 29, verse 8 says, Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. Is it no wonder we see such violence around us in our culture? Murder, betrayal of the innocent, the promotion of violence boy, do we need wisdom. Not only does wisdom bring peace, it also testifies to salvation. It is inherently evangelistic. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. In Daniel chapter 12, verse three, 3, we read, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. When you are wise, you are lit a light, and the Spirit who works within you is the one who makes you an example to the world around you. Be wise, and you will be an evangelist. And then lastly, thirdly, as it relates to themes in Proverbs, we see that there is something in relationship to work and wisdom As I said already, there is nothing more practical than wisdom. It is integrity, judgment, knowledge, understanding applied to life. It is to take the doctrine and the purposes of God and turn them on the world and set them loose by your mouth and by your life. But it is a monotonous, menial, yet glorious work. And it is a work that we must do without much management. Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways. Be wise, which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? And then he goes on. But what is the example of the ant? The ant does it without having someone constantly saying, go do this. Proverbs 10, verse 2, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famine, but he casts away the substance of the wicked. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent make rich. He that gathers in summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. I don't even know if the word shame is a word we understand as it relates to righteousness anymore. In fact, even now we are being taught and instructed the only thing that we should be ashamed of is the objective statement that you should feel ashamed. In this postmodern world, it is also a lazy, good for nothing world. How is faithfulness in work a blessing? Think of it this way as God provides you greater gifts, resources, and He blesses you with these wonderful blessings, you are in turn able to take those things and look to those with need and say, Here, out of the rich abundance of God's good gifts. We are living now in an age where many Christians have never experienced the great blessing of giving to those with need because they are not only lazy in terms of their work, they feel privileged in terms of what they are supposed to have even when they do not work, but because of this mindset, when they do get something, what do they do? Spend it all and give none of it away. Sometimes work is just utterly and totally humdrum. It is menial, and at times it is even boring. And when I say the word boring, children, you think, no. It's the worst word in the English language, and I say to you, no, it is not. For it is out of that state of boredom that the great ideas that have shaped our civilizations, come. Proverbs 30. There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. Here are the four things. There are not many of them, but they are wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet make their homes in the rocks. The locusts have no king, Yet they go forth, all of them by bands. The spider takes hold with her hands and she's in the king's palaces. You've heard it said, everywhere you are within 10 feet, there's a spider. Now you go, "Ah!" they are resourceful and they are examples to us. Wisdom is found in work. And then lastly, though not connected to work itself, is this great thing. Wisdom is valuable, it is useful, it is glorious, because wisdom in the Proverbs is revealed to be Christ himself. Proverbs 8, 24. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea, what is this describing? Creation. And prior to creation, who is with the creator? It is God himself. It is Christ, the eternal Logos, the firstborn of all creation, the one by whom and through whom all that was made has been made. It is Christ. And so to pursue wisdom is not to pursue an idea or merely an ideal, or a concept, or a list of things. It is to pursue the person, Jesus Christ. And for this reason, then, the writer continues to say in Proverbs 8, Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors, for whoso findeth me, findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All that hate me love death. Wisdom is life. It is our righteousness. And so why things, I asked again. Because I want wisdom to be beautiful to you. I want you to want it. To call upon the Lord for the gift of it. For from his hand comes this great gift. To deny wisdom, as we read in Proverbs 8, is to deny life. It is to reject righteousness. It is to embrace death and find a life devoted to destruction. And frankly, it is to frustrate your neighbor. It is to be a burden and not a blessing. It is to bring down and hold back and not to build up and give strength I want you to come to the book of Proverbs with a longing heart and an outstretched hand. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we seek your wisdom.